everybody welcome back to another episode of god built this podcast i'm your host maxine and we're on episode 78 let's get into this whole lana del rey mess um let's just start off i want to start off by just saying i agree with her i completely agree and i hear what she's saying what she's saying i think where she went wrong was naming all of those black artists black female artists that she named including cardi b beyonce and whatever look it doesn't matter the, the other artists the fact that she included beyonce that did it for her but she included all these artists beyonce Nicki minaj kaylani cardi b even ariana grande got into the mess okay and she starts off kind of problematic because she starts off by saying question for the culture now as we know black people we use this term for the this is for the culture i'm doing it for the culture state of the culture there's a whole show called state of the culture okay and this is a thing that we say this is a term that we use within the black community so she starts off this letter this four-page letter this essay this this Pulitzer prize like bitch what are you saying but she's start she's going in okay question for the culture she goes on to say now that doja cat ariana grande cardi b etc now that they are i'm gonna paraphrase let me just paraphrase it for y'all she starts off by saying these artists Nicki minaj beyonce etc these artists create music, create music videos that is sexually provocative. They're wearing little to no clothing. They're talking about cheating or being cheated on. Um, they're talking about fucking. They're talking about sexual experiences, sexual escapades, and they're being very blunt and honest and raunchy in their lyrics, in their overall musical career. And she's saying, now that these artists are doing this, can I be put off the hook now for the type of music that I make? And Lana Del Rey, I don't listen to her music because I feel like her music. I just don't. I don't get. The, I don't get her vibe. Um, I'm not really into her aesthetic. She has this 1950s type of aesthetic, and I'm just not really. And she's a beautiful woman. I just not. I'm not into her music. Okay, she's so obsessed with the 1950s and. It's just, it's interesting because this is not a great time for black people. And I don't think any time was really a great time. You think maybe the 90s were a great time. But I think by Rodney King and the start of the LA riots. Maybe, look, I don't know. Look, I guess it's, you know, hit, hit or miss. But anyway, she goes on to talk about how her music is for years now have has been looked at as emotional glamorizing emotional abuse in romantic relationships and i don't know her music uh, personally to confirm or deny i could assume that is the case just based off of her vibe she looks so kind of depressed give me this amy winehouse type of feel but they don't have the same voice and so she's saying here can I be put off the hook for the type of music that I create? Can I finally not be crucified for being honest in my music, for being transparent about my experiences with men romantically and how she is permissive and submissive and not assertive at all when it comes to men in her life romantically? And she's saying, there has to be room in feminism for me. Because when we think about feminist, the feminist culture in America, it's perceived as you have to be this no shit taking, 
assertive, loud mouth. I hate men. I'm not gonna tol- I'm not gonna tolerate this type of abuse from men or any abuse from men. I'm dominant. I'm strong. I'm all of these things. Yet you have Lana Del Rey who doesn't fit that. Who is probably considered weak in her romantic relationships. Who is not this loud mouth. She's very timid and quiet and probably mouse-like in her romantic relationships. And she's saying. Why can't there be room for me? Why can't y'all accept me as well into this feminist culture, into culture period when it comes to romantic relationships? You know, you have these strong, loudmouth women who are vocal, who say what they want, who speak clearly and assertively and all these things. And I should also have a have a space in this table for this culture because let's be honest here not every woman is like that we don't have and I can talk about myself directly I have shared very transparently on this podcast my experiences with Boston Bay and you may come to the conclusion that man maybe mama is not as strong as she is on this podcast when she is with Boston Bay. And let me give a quick disclaimer. I'm still not with him. I'm standing strong on that because I am reaching and I have reached an aha moment with him. And we'll talk about that a little bit more because I realize I have slept with a narcissist for three, almost four years now with him. He's a narcissist, like grade A level narcissist. And we'll talk about that (laughs) in detail some more. But I've realized that. And when you get to these aha moments in your personal choices, in your relationships, you realize, dang, what the fuck? How did I get here? How did he does fit this box? Check, 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 check. Anyway, let's talk about Lana Wright. We'll get to him in a moment. Um, Excuse the background noise if you can hear it. I am still here in Boston, just by the way. So you may hear my parents in the background. You may hear fireworks because niggas is close, (laughs) okay? We are not at the, you know, the countryside of Houston anymore where the next door neighbor is through a highway, okay? So (laughs) here in the bean, we are next door to each other. Anyway, so Lana Del Rey, she is saying how... This is normal. You know, you have women like her, like me, because I see myself in her. I see what she's saying. I understand where she's coming from. And it's unfortunate that we live in a society now that doesn't look at the full picture and we go off of this bandwagon and we're not really listening. We're not listening. If y'all would have just taken time, and not y'all, I'm not saying everyone who listens to this podcast has dragged her, but Twitter dragged her, okay? Twitter dragged the out of Lana Del Rey, and it has a lot to do with the fact that she named all of these artists starting off this letter, and she included Beyonce, so, you know, including Beyonce is a no, but she did not shade them, she did not put them down, she didn't degrade them, she didn't um, discredit their talent, their musical success, etc., like, none of that was said, she's just simply saying, 
hey, it's unfair that I can't be honest in my records too while these artists have been honest in theirs. And there's this apparent um, expression of somewhat laying this down for them, like as if she set the path for these artists to now be vulnerable in their records. So for example, with Beyonce in Lemonade, that whole record, she gives us a transparent view into her relationship with Jay-Z and how Jay-Z cheated on her and how she was devastated and how they broke broke it off for a little bit. They didn't get a divorce, but they went through a period when they were broken up and she left him and go back to the record, y'all. I ain't sorry. Okay, that tells you how Beyonce left his ass, okay? And so there, Lana is somewhat saying here, I did that shit. <laughs> Let's not, I wouldn't give Lana credit for that. I think we all come to points in our lives when we just keep it real. Like, not every relationship you're in are you going to be this strong woman and you don't take no shit. No, you're going to f- sometimes fall into these traps with men and women, whoever you date, whatever. But you're going to fall into these traps with people and you realize, damn, how did I get here? How did I become this woman who is not strong or is not confident? And that's no shot to Lana or even myself. It's just being honest in your experiences and recognizing sometimes you do lose your voice in these relationships. So Lana Del Rey, she's continuously defending her music and saying she's not glamorizing emotional abuse. She's not glamorizing being cheated on and being uh, degraded in her relationship. She's not. She's just being honest. This is her experience. And maybe she has yet to reach a point in her relationships to, or not even in her relationship. She has not, she has yet to reach a point in herself to, stand up for herself, to consider herself worthy for healthy love, for healthy relationships, for for healthy communication, etc. in her life. So she's just talking and taking us through this journey with her. And I think that's so admirable. Throughout this podcast, I have been so transparent. I And let me tell y'all, there's been so many times before I hit record when I said, I'm not going to tell them that I went back to Boston Bay. Uh, maybe I should just keep this to myself. Maybe I should just tell them maybe six months from now. And hopefully by then, me and Boston Bay will be super official and super healthy. And I will have these moments when I'm just really thinking to myself, let me just omit this information. Not live. I'm just going to leave this out because it looks embarrassing. It does feel embarrassing. You know, time and time again, I'm coming back on this podcast talking about, yeah, so me and him are back together. I feel like he really changed his time. He apologized. <laughs> I really, I just, I see something in him, this potential. And it's, it's literally the textbook explanation of being in an abusive situation with somebody this is it and I know some people don't want to say that word and maybe some people use it too cavalierly but it's literally it (laughs) 
you keep on going back to someone who is toxic, who you know is toxic, yet you're expecting and hoping and you're living this la-la land in your head or you're being manipulated thinking, oh, he did apologize that one time, he, he'll apologize again, or he's just been through a lot in his life. He, you know, he his father left him and blah, blah, blah. He needs me. I could be his savior. I could help him. I could show him all these things. And all of this is rhetoric for staying with someone who you know is abusive, who you know is not right for you. Yet your psyche hasn't reached a point to withstand from this person. I said a lot. Let me let me get some more context, but um she ends off this letter by saying she is just honest in her records in the relationships that she's had. And she's honest that her relationships has have been challenging. She's not saying it's okay to be abused. She is yet looking for the potential in the person that she's dating. She's looking for the potential to be fulfilled in that person. So she stays in these relationships hoping and waiting for the potential to be fulfilled. And then it's not. And then she's thinking, okay, maybe there's time for it to be fulfilled if I give him another chance. And then it's not. And then she's thinking, okay, maybe this other time he showed me more of who he was he's a little bit more vulnerable this time this time he's gonna be more of who I presume he'll be and then he's not right so then it becomes a cycle and then you're staying with this person longer than you thought you would have longer than you would imagine yourself to be you don't you don't wake up or you don't grow up as a child thinking, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to, well, you, yeah, you do that. But my point is, you don't say, I'm going to be in an abusive relationship. <laughs> no, you say things like, I'm going to be a wife. I'm going to be a mother. I can't wait to be married. I can't wait to my wedding day. Not, I can't wait to date a nigga <laughs> who doesn't hit me up and hit, hits me up maybe three times a month. <laughs> And it's on and off. Yay. <laughs> I can't wait to be a guy who gaslights me and makes me think I'm the problem, but it's really him. I can't wait to be with that nigga. No, it's not the type of relationship you paint for yourself. Yet, when you get older, sometimes you do find yourself in situations that you don't imagine for yourself. And then you think to yourself, damn, what the fuck? How did I get here? How did I get here is the question that every woman finds themselves asking. <laughs> How did I get here? How did I get in a relationship with someone who doesn't care for me, who talks down to me, who is con- who's inconsistent, who is all of these things that I don't like in him, yet I'm still here, or yet I've been here, or yet I stayed with that person for this amount of time, for four, five, ten years, and yet I marry this person, right? Now, I give myself credit because thankfully I am so entrenched in being an independent person that it's just naturally me to not be emotionally attached to someone. Like I could quickly detach and boom, boom. It won't hurt me to my core. Like, yes, I have feelings and yes, I get hurt and get sad, but I don't stay in that and I'm quick to move on and be open to meeting, not even being open, nigga, meeting new people and fucking new niggas, okay? Point blank, period, okay? Um, so 
ain't nobody stuck or trapped here. It's just sometimes we stay in a mindset that makes us stuck and trapped. And so that mindset has allowed for me to stay with him for the three, close to four years that I have. And that's the answers that I'm realizing. So I think about even Hillary Clinton. I just finished watching the documentary of hers on Hulu. And I heard about this documentary. I was eventually going to get into it. I didn't have a Hulu. Well, I didn't activate it fully because I was, I was doing a whole seven-day trial thing and then <laughs> ending the, ending the uh, membership at the seven-day, not <laughs> the seven-day, 12.59 a.m. mark. Um, but I finally decided to go ahead and stick with it because I finished my book of Little Fires Everywhere and I wanted to start it. I wanted to start watching the show, which is a really good show so far. I actually have to watch episode three today. I try to distance the time or the amount of times that I watch something, at least with this show in particular, to kind of anyway, look, that's not the point. Anyway, Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton. So we all know Hillary Clinton, Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton, and that whole scandal, okay? And some of us may have lived through it as an adult, or at least a teenage, teenage, um, age. And so, but we all know the story. We all know that Hillary Clinton was cheated on by her husband, Bill Clinton, who was then president. And this happened in the public eye. And this, this woman, he cheated on her with Monica Lewinsky was one of the aides at the White House. And she worked closely with Bill Clinton and they had sexual relations in the, office in the white house in the oval office in particular because there was a stain on her black dress some some ejaculation that took place and it became this whole situation and that was poor monica but um and poor hillary too don't get me wrong but the point is this is an example of someone who let me give you some more context on her hillary clinton she's more than just bill clinton's wife she's more than a former first lady like you know how sometimes we look at wives and we just see oh they're just the helpmate of their husband they're just oh they're they're there because their husband's there like we don't give them sometimes the credit that they deserve in their own right outside of their husband and Hillary deserves all the credit. I did not realize she went to law school. I didn't realize she has had such a strong professional career and not even just that, such a strong persona of her own self. She was strong-minded. She was um, the leading force in women's, women's rights in her town and she took it politically and she took it had she moved to different states like she was a strong woman she was always interested in politics she worked in politics she was a professor she got her lawyer like bitch this bitch is a strong woman so strong textbook woman she was never um interested in in makeup in just aesthetic beauty aesthetic in getting her legs shaven especially during a time of 1970s when you know the freedom and liberty all that stuff was very much of the norm so she was not of the of the type of woman during that time too when women were considered as you should stay in the house stay in the house you should only be domesticated, nothing else. Don't even think about being more than 
a wife or a mother or even just a nurse. A nurse should be, that's it. But that falls more in the stereotypical expectation of a woman to be a nurturer, to be a caterer, to be, uh, you know, that type of woman. And so you have Hillary Clinton who is not, who is not the type of woman who actually said a comment that was kind of disparaging to women who stayed at home. So stay at home mothers, she will say, I'm, I don't want to just sit there and stay at home and um, bake cookies. You want me to bake cookies? Like she said it in a way that was degrading, yet she tried to clear it up by saying, no, that's not what I meant, but whatever. But she, that's what she said. And that's what it was clear about, but she was never, that's, so that's my point. She was never this cookie cutter, um, domesticated woman. She was always strong in who she was, had her own mindset, had her own career, was not vexed on being a wife and none of that. Okay. She meets Mill, um, Mill, she meets Bill and falls in love and still was the same woman as she was previous to marrying him, okay? So she was still someone who was strong in who she was, had her own mentality, had her own career. And even when she married him and he still had his, well, he was starting off in politics. He was, he was in Arkansas and had his um, political career beginning during that time. She did not take his last name initially. She was Hillary Rodham. Hillary Rodham. That was her name. And she received a lot of backlash for that. And she still stood against it because she just didn't, like, it was, that's her name. That's, she didn't take it as, I'm going to be rebellious, re- rebellious to my husband. She just took, took it as, this is my name. This is who I am. Why would I just take this away just because I'm married now? And I understand that mindset. And that's, you know, to each his own. So she did not take his last name. She eventually took his last name because she felt like she was responsible for him not winning the initial election that he ran for as, I think it was governor or mayor of Arkansas. So she eventually just decided to change her last name and kind of settle more into the expectation of what society has for women during that time. So she took off the glass, the big old glasses, the big old 1970s glasses that was a style back then, and instead put on contacts. Um, she changed her hairdo, dressed a little bit more woman-like, feminine-like. And so, but overall, and even still to this day, she's a strong-willed woman. Yet, she found herself in a relationship with a man who cheated on her. And bitch, let me tell y'all about Bill. Bill, Monica is not the first, okay? And not even the fifth, okay? Monica was probably the 10th of the 50th that he further on explored after her. This is not the first go around that that Hillary experienced with her husband, Bill. So... I'm just sitting back aghast, like, wow, this is normal, not not normal in a way, like, to normalize it, I don't want to say that, but it's not uncommon to see women, strong-willed women, in relationships with men who treat them like shit, (laughs) like, that's just, it's not, it's nothing new, that's my point, so when Lana Del Rey is 
talking about this in her music, it's unfair that she gets the rap for glamorizing this. She's not. She's just talking about her love for a man who she's with that happens to cheat on her, maybe hit her sometime, and it's fucked up, but it's real. Let's talk about all the women in our life who we may know directly or indirectly, or maybe even yourself, if you are a woman listening to this, um, um, who have witnessed and seen women in abusive relationships. This is nothing new. So the point that I'm making here is let's get some grace. You know, let's listen before we react. It sucks that we live in a society that we are not listening to the full picture. We're just taking little bits and going on this bandwagon of hate. And yes, maybe she should have named those artists. Maybe she she should have just said what she said um, without naming Cardi B and Beyonce, maybe she, maybe Lana Del Rey should have just said, hey, I make music that is real to me. It's not to glamorize emotional abuse. It's not to say this is okay and we should accept men who manipulate or gaslight us. It's not. Because when I think about what I say here on this podcast, y'all, this is me telling y'all right now, I hope nobody listening to me is, uh, living their life based off of what I say or do. Like, please, please don't. But I, I'm sure you guys are strong enough and smart enough to not do that. My point is, I say things, I give you a complete window into my life. And I'm as transparent as transparent can be, okay? And through that transparency, there is some shame that I tackle with because I feel embarrassed for have going go for have going back and forth with Boston Bay for have continuously allowing myself to get back with him time and time again, knowing that this man is abusive emotionally. He hasn't hit me, yes, but knowing that it could get there, knowing that. If he and I were living together, if we were married, I would not be surprised if it would have gotten physical, okay? I realize now more and more how emotionally abusive and mentally abusive he was to me, okay? So that brings me to dating a narcissist signs that you are dating a narcissist okay now all of these signs are not uh let's say there was there was a whole list that I found online that is not um exactly how Boston Bay is so I'm pulling from the parts that I know definitely describes this nigga okay Um, so let's start off with always being the center of the conversation. The topic is always about him, always about his childhood trauma, always about his daddy smoking dope, always about his daddy leaving him and his family behind, always about his mother being beat, like, okay, it's literally a textbook copy of what you would see on TV like in the 90s, early 2000s of a black family within a movie setting. There's a lot of happy shows that were on TV 
of a black family. So I think about Moesha, the Parkers. But let's talk about the the, the black families who didn't have the father in the, in the family, who left, who abused the mother. You know, so maybe The Wire or whatever black show. I can't think of something right now. But y'all know the examples of that on in the media. So this is a textbook copy of someone who has experienced that, who has lived this reality and this is his truth. And initially, when I would pick up on him, when I would pick up on that, of him being obsessed with himself, obsessed with talking about his childhood, obsessed with talking about his father abandoning him, all that bullshit, and blah, blah, I don't care anymore. Thank you. I would feel prideful in a way that I was happy because he entrusted me with his trauma. He's entrusting me with the pain that he endured and still endures when it comes to his trauma. So I will feel happy because I'm thinking, wow, we've reached a level in our vulnerability and we're getting closer, right? We're getting closer and he's seeing me as someone who he can be vulnerable with. So I'm happy about that like great I'm happy he feels that way but here's the thing it's one-sided it is one-sided it's never I feel that way with him too he's never given me the opportunity to open myself up to him he's never inquired about my life he's never inquired about my trauma He's never really sit down and ask me questions at all. It's always been about him. So I took that as, well, huh, narcissist? And like, that was ding in my head. Another thing, he never takes accountability. He's always playing victim. He's never at fault, okay? Now you may think, isn't this this just every nigga... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because maybe, maybe, but there's a different level to not taking accountability anytime and not taking accountability sometimes, or maybe not taking accountability initially and then suddenly realizing another perspective and owning up to your shit, right? There's differences in that, right? He is not any of that. He would never follow up with the previous conversation and say, hey, I realized what you said and I'm sorry. I was wrong for that. He's never done that, okay? There was one time when he did do that, but that was a manipulative ploy, (laughs) okay? If you guys could reference the time a couple months ago when I was on my way home, he knew I was on the flight and we were kind of, we think we argued yet again and instead of initially taking accountability at the time when we had the argument, he then took accountability at that moment when I was on my way to Boston. Because the, the text started off with him saying, Max, you're really not going to see me like when you're here? Like, really? Like, I know you're on your way here to Boston. You're really not going to see me. I'm really not going to see you. And... I tell I tell him, you know, I don't appreciate the way he speaks to me. I don't appreciate how you are completely never at fault when it comes to anything. And 
there's this aggression that I see from you and I don't like it. And so I'm saying all those things, you know, here and there. And he finally responds in that moment and says, you're right. You have a point. I'll, I'll get better. And yet, instead of me thinking, oh, this is just a way for him to be manipulative and for me to, for him to be manipulative, for me to agree to seeing him while I'm home in Boston, I took that moment as, oh, well, I, I saw what I wanted to see. You know what I mean? I saw, instead of really seeing for what it was, I painted a fantasy of what I wanted to see from him to make myself feel better because the truth sometimes hurts. So he wasn't genuine with that, you know? So that's one example of accountability, but it wasn't really accountable. We actually didn't end up seeing each other at all. That I think we saw each other just one time and I was home for like two, a week and he never planned nothing consistent for us to see each other the next time and his grandma ended up passing away I talked about it here on this podcast <laughs> I forgot which episode but y'all could go back and run that back but that's my point like there's really no accountability you know when there are men out there who sometimes may be defensive at first but eventually they realize I get what you're saying I apologize and they mean it right and they show better in their behavior they they progress in their communication style with you Boston Bay is never that (laughs) okay he has never shown any example of that and that is apparent so always a victim never at fault next manipulation a narcissist is manipulative that that's the core of a narcissist okay what is manipulation there's so many different let's just be straight here manipulation is emotional it is mental it is saying what you want the person to hear in order to get what you want from that person, okay? So it's not being honest really in how you feel or in how you're you're moving with that person. Instead, you're saying, you're just kind of putting things together to that you know the other person would like to receive in order for you to get that person, right? So people can manipulate sex as a way to garner someone. They can manipulate you with gifts. You know, if you are, has has we've seen in so many examples of physically abusive relationships. I remember watching What's Love Got to Do With It, which is a autobiography um, movie of Tina Turner and Ike Turner. Well, Tina Turner and then Ike Turner obviously is in the in her life at that time, and he he used to beat her down. Okay, to and that's not even enough of a word to describe what he did to her but he beat her down okay there was a scene in particular where they they were having a pool party and she said something wrong (laughs) and then in that moment you saw Ike's eye twitch and I started to twitch like bitch I'm about to get hit like (laughs) I leave me alone I'm not Tina (laughs) I'll eat the cake damn it fuck anime eat the fucking cake (laughs) shit like abuse is not okay this is not okay this, this is all jokes um 
But that scene, they were having a pool party. She said something wrong because I twitched and he beat her down, okay? While their friends were at the pool of their house. <laughs> like, nigga, you can't hit me when these niggas are not here. Like, when we're not having a party. You got to hit me. Like, the least you, if you're going to hit somebody, can we do it in private? <laughs> can you at least hit me in our bedroom? That doesn't lead to the outside pool that we have. What the fuck? You really don't respect me. For real? The fuck? Um, but anyway, he hit her down. And the scene ends. The next day, the next scene comes in. He gives her elaborate gifts. I think it was a, flowers, some clothes, some shoes. Like, just elaborate demonstration of his apology of him being sorry and some people may see that wow he's just really apologetic he's really sorry for laying his hands on her no that's manipulation instead of getting the help that he needs instead of letting her go realizing that look i'm not good for you i'm gonna keep on hurting you i'm gonna let you go no i'm gonna manipulate your thinking and convince you through these gifts through adoration through saying I love you saying I miss you you're the one for me saying all these sweet things right that really don't mean anything these are sweet nothings in pure example of what a sweet nothing is this really don't mean shit because you hit me the previous scene and now the next scene you are showering me with gifts so that's an example of manipulation. And this is done in a in a different in different manners. So the point is he's manip he doesn't shower me gifts. Basame doesn't shower me gifts. He's a little cheap. But he maybe if I was his girlfriend he would. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Too bad I don't get to experience that. That's fine. Whatever. But he manipulates me in other ways emotionally he manipulates me by saying I love you I miss you he'll always hit me with the I miss you text uh he hit me up recently with the love you text but he put love slash miss you nigga came and write I love you it's really crazy yet I stayed with him for and it's and it's not to put myself down but it's like sometimes I just be wanting to smack my face like bitch what the fuck and I think I said it here I think to myself before I get before I press record sometimes I would battle with myself like damn should I tell them this because damn I I went back to him again damn I said I know I said I wasn't gonna get back with him but here I am back with this nigga putting that clown face on and that's not my testimony right now. I am not back with him. I I have continued to withstand from him, and I am proud of myself. We'll get to that. But sometimes, you you know, when you think back of relationships in your life, you really sit down and be like, how did I get here? What the hell happened to me to have put myself here? And it was, whatever. Eventually, you, have to, you forgive yourself, too. And I'm forgiving myself, okay? It's a process. But... Yeah, so manipulation is done through different manners. And so he'll do that in those ways, not really meaning what he's saying, right? It's just to 
manipulate me into thinking, oh, he does love me, or he is sorry for how he spoke to me last. Okay, let me just say, okay, I miss you too. You know, when am I gonna see you again type of thing? You know, he, he's done, he knows I love food, as a lot of girls do. I think it's a natural female trait. Always hungry, always like to eat. So he'll manipulate me by saying, oh, I'll cook you breakfast. I'll take you out to, well, nothing your day, but like, oh, about you know, I'll get you whatever you want to eat. And this is a way for him to manipulate me into staying with him, into tolerating, into accepting, into blindly accepting this fuck-ass behavior from him. So manipulation is another example of a narcissist. Um, always a victim, never at fault. I said that. Lacks empathy. So when someone lacks empathy, that person has a failure to seeing a perspective outside of their own and to feeling compassionate for someone. So it's you could be crying in the corner, <laughs> they'll be like, what the fuck, okay? Um, you could be mad too, and they could be mad, but they would never step out of their anger to understand why you're mad and to try to fix it, you know? Um, I think about the time when he flew me out to see him in Georgia. I'm excited, we're in Georgia, we're in Atlanta, and, you know, it's a nice fancy hotel. Like, I'm just excited to be out. Like, I find joy in a lot of things. And I like traveling. I like being out. I like being outside. I like being in nature. And he was just horrible. <laughs> like, I regretted going. And I'm glad I didn't spend money on the flight. I'm glad he paid for that. But it was not a great experience. And there was a point when we argued yet again. Like, this is not healthy, okay? So we argue yet again, and instead of sitting back and being able to see outside of his own perspective, he just leaves me mad and leaves the room, hangs out with his boys for the rest of the fucking day, and I'm over here stuck in the hotel, not a shit to do, talking to the hotel person on the phone. <laughs> Anyway, lacks empathy is key. So these are the main things that I saw that I see in him, actually. Not just so, this is present. That I see in him and that I can associate to narcissism. They say narcissism and sociopaths are very similar. Um, I'm, not, I'm not surprised. Anyway, there was a quote that I read recently that says this, antisocial narcissists take hostage, hostages. They do not form relationships. Okay, let me say that again. Antisocial narcissists take hostages. They do not form relationships. This man has never wanted to be in a relationship ever since the, the relationship that ended between he and his baby mom. I don't know what... I mean, I think he, she fucked one of his guys but after they broke. I don't know what happened, but some shit happened, and he's never wanted to be with shit ever since then. And even though he has strung me along for three, almost four years, he still never committed to me um, in, a committed, in a committed relationship. And so that was... Of course, annoying and hurtful in the beginning, but eventually I realized I don't really want to be with him either. Let me just continue to stick around and 
whatever, get what I want from it, but realizing that that's not healthy either since he's a toxic ass motherfucker. So my point is <laughs> antisocial narcissists take hostages. Instead of forming relationship with me, instead of being in a healthy relationship, he is, and knowing that we're not good for each other, knowing that I have said several times, y'all, and y'all know this, I have said to him several times, this is not working. I'm done. I'm walking away. Like, I'm not happy here. Like, I'm done. I'm walking away. I'm meeting other people. I even texted him a couple months ago talking about I've, I'm dating someone new, so please stop texting me. Like, this is done. And yet, he doesn't adhere to that, okay? Even though he doesn't want a committed relationship with me, even though he doesn't want a monogamous relationship with me, he still is... he's trapping me with him by still hitting me up by still pursuing me in some ways and holding me hostage so that's truly what that quote says he's taking me as a hostage knowing that I'm not happy knowing that I don't want to be with him knowing that all these things but he's still forcing himself to 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 have me be with him etc so the last episode that I recorded, he since hit me up a couple of times, uh, just trying to act like things are good again, even though I said clearly, I'm done with you, this isn't working, I'm moving on, and he gives the appearance that, cool, go ahead, nigga, move on, blah, 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 like, combative, of course, he, the next text is a come over, <laughs> the next test, next text is a, I miss you, you bullshit. And it's like, nigga, no, I don't. Stop trying to hit me up. So anyway, I've been holding strong. I've been withstanding. And me withstanding has opened my eyes in realizing this man is a narcissist. And I've been thinking more logically than emotionally. And I'm so happy about that. I'm so proud of myself for doing that. And I realize everything is step by step, you know, because I'm aware of the past and how I've been back and forth with him, how I've opened the door for him yet again and again and again and again and again. So I don't want to be naive to the moment when I may feel lonely and may hit him up. But what I can do to fight against that is continue to think logically, continue to do my research. And when I came across narcissism and realized, wow, Boston Bay is that. Because I know what a narcissist is, but sometimes you don't realize you're dating one, right? Sometimes you don't realize you're sleeping with one. And then when you do, it's like, wow, it's an aha moment. So I'm sticking more into my aha moment. I know it's not going to be... I know he's not going to be easy to withstand as far as, and it's not me being tempted to be with him. Like it's, I'm, I feel so at peace, (laughs) y'all. Like I'm not stressed. I'm not missing him. I'm not like, oh my God, I miss the times when we would. No, there are no times when we would. There's there's literally no time. (laughs) He's not a sensual person. He's not a romantic person. So there's no time when I would miss any of that. Um, So it's easy for me to move on. Um, but I recognize that it's not easy for him to let me go. I recognize that it's not easy for him to let me go. I recognize that it's not easy for him to really, um, respect this boundary and follow suit. So I'm going to continue to arm myself with tactics to 
withstand. So there was something that I searched along this whole wormhole of when you're dating a narcissist, etc. Because when I tell you YouTube is a mother like that, okay, YouTube will have you going down eight hours on something that you were watching initially about cats. And the next thing you know, you're in a video about narcissism, okay? Like, how did we get here? Um, so there was something that I came across that says key phrases to disarm a narcissist. Okay. So essentially what you want to do is disengage in arguments with one, because what a narcissist does is they like to, and this is another example of how, you know, you're dating a narcissist. They tend to discourage you. They put you down and that's way that's a way for them to be put up that's a way for them to feel encouraged to feel powerful it makes them feel happy about themselves knowing that they're putting you down and even in arguments they have to be the one who's right they have to be the one who knows it all if you know too much than they do they'll find a way to discredit you they would instead uh just kind of put your points as something that's invalid so that's an example of that you know so um always gotta be right always trying to win the argument always trying to argue with you and put you down so a perfect way to disarm a narcissist is to disengage in an argument instead of defending yourself in an argument instead of trying to defend your character the perfect thing to do is to back off. And I know that's hard because it's like you get emotional too. You want to go at it with them and you want to let them know, blah, blah, blah. But they they thrive off of that. They thrive off of knowing that you're upset. I made you upset. And haha, like I win this type of, it's a game for them. It's really a game. So a way to disarm a narcissist is to disengage in arguments and shut it down so saying phrases like i'm sorry you feel that way and leave it at that right so when he said to me or when he said to me um i'm a slut right i could have just said i'm sorry you feel that way (laughs) right i did disengage um but that's just an example that you could say to disengage i'm sorry you feel that way you know some people would naturally react and even me in the past i've reacted emotionally and be like you're a fuck ass nigga like going in but i realized when i've done that he would thrive off of it he would laugh he would get excited there'll be like a sparkle in his eye when i would go crazy on him yet a perfect way to react to a narcissist when you're in arguments with one is by shutting it down. I'm sorry you feel that way. And here's another one that I liked. I can accept your faulty perception of me, right? Just kind of being so kind of condescending in your messaging, sounding super professional. I can accept your faulty perception of me. Or this another one that I heard, um, what you think about me is none of my business. And that's something that I was just now hearing recently, the past uh, few years. How you feel about me is none of my business. Like, okay, cool, that's your perception. That that has nothing to do with me because I see myself how I see myself. The way I see myself is not viewed through your eyes. It's not viewed through your perspective. It is affirmed and validated by myself and myself only, okay? So now I understand that phrase. What you think about me is none of my business. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Not even okay, thanks. (laughs) Okay, 
<laughs> I can accept your faulty perception of me or okay, I'm sorry you feel that way. Just kind of standing in that and disarming them in arguments because you're when you engage further, you're giving them room to continue to attack. You're giving them room to think that they're having a, a leg up on you by being emotional and reacting to them. So instead of being emotional in your reaction, fall back. And realize more of yourself. And I'm saying this to myself too, obviously. This is me realizing I don't have to prove anything to him. I don't have to prove anything to my, well, not to anyone else, but to myself, really. It's about knowing who I am and knowing that my perception is not defined by his of me. Okay? So standing on your own two feet and standing, uh, well, creating the walls that you are creating to withstand this narcissist is essential in disarming a narcissist from your life and disarming them from having any access and power and control over you. So what I'm doing is being consistent with that in my language because recently he said, come over. I said, no, not an argument. It's not a me engaging with him. It's just a no. It's not because I know me in the past would have been a whole paragraph. Oh, now you want me to come over? Where was this energy before? You said you love me. Like it would be this whole thing. Or he said, you miss me. How come you don't care about me? Oh, how come? Not even how come you don't care about, about me? It'll be like a, you know, this is unhealthy. The way that you speak to people, like me seeing all those things before at that time, I'm thinking, I'm being helpful by being communicative, by being clear in how I feel and how he got me fucked up and how he could be better and we could reach a point of resolution, right? And all of this is great if you're with someone who's healthy, if you're with someone who's able to receive criticism, who's able to receive feedback and progress. But when you're with someone who continues to put you down, or attempt to put you down. I'm not saying I'm defined by him. So it's not like, oh, I'm crying because he, no, I'm really not like, like that at all. Um, but he'll attempt to put me down when it work. But um, he'll, he'll attempt. Um, when you're with someone who is inconsistent and who's in and out and who is all of these things. And <laughs> there's no room for them to consider your feelings. There's no room for them to say, hey, you know what? I realized that I'm, I fucked up my bad like I'm sorry and really mean that and do better in their actions moving forward no it's just I don't care blah 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 and then they expect for you to just accept that behavior and come over <laughs> it is what it is type of thing and and it's not it, it's not what it's not what it's not okay so that's the update on that I'm happy I feel I feel like a weight is being lifted off of me as I continue to withstand from him because I'm realizing every time when I respond to him and I say no and I'm very clear and direct and I'm holding on to what I am holding myself to, which is letting him go, releasing myself from him, it feels empowering. I'm like addicted to that power, actually. It feels good. You know, there was a, um, and it's me really read, like being consistent in that language. Cause if I just say I'm done and one time and the next time I'm just like, okay, I'll come over, pick me up. <laughs> it's like, what? So being consistent and like reminding him, I said I was done, <laughs> period. And there's a point when I may have to come to that 
isn't about me reminding him. It's just, I'm not responding. And if you're continuously harassing me, I'm not gonna give you access to do so because I'm gonna block you, okay? There was a point a couple of days ago where he Insta-storied me <laughs> after texting me a, two two days prior, he DM'd me after watching my Insta story and he sent me a laughing emoji. And in that Insta story, I was giving one of my little funny takes on something that I just experienced. And I was saying how, as I was driving, I turned my head and I saw this fine ass motherfucker in the car. And I'm like, who is this nigga on the left lane? Okay, who is this fine ass motherfucker on this left lane? And I was describing how fine he was, this dark, rich chocolate beard in a, in a black on black car. Like I was really just going in, just like, just talking about that. And so, he responds with a laughing emoji and he does these things where he's showing you i'm unbothered you are you are bothered <laughs> you know if someone had to tell you i'm unbothered or i'm good i'm at peace <laughs> you know just that i'm at peace but if someone had to prove to you that's what i mean like if someone had to prove to you that they are these things more times they're not, they're really not those things, right? They're really bothered. They're really upset. They're mad that they don't have you at the palm of their hands. And that's another example of a narcissist. They want you at the palm of their, of their hands. So when he's seeing me talk about this other guy, this random guy who I see, you know, on the street in his car driving, as I'm driving, I'm seeing, I'm seeing him on my left lane, and I'm recognizing and publicly declaring how fine he is. Mind you, I'm making this video in jest, like I'm just laughing as I usually do. It's not me, I'm doing this to entice Boston Bay to make him feel jealous like nigga and like I really don't give a fuck <laughs> like you're the one who's giving a fuck I'm withdrawn <laughs> like I'm done like I said so I think he's looking at it like oh she's trying to rattle me up so let me let me show her I'm unbothered by sending her this laughing emoji and it's like okay you're <laughs> this is further proof that you are bothered so I say, Omji, what's wrong with you? And he's like, what? I'm laughing at your post. And I'm like, you could laugh, but you don't have to DM me your laugh. And I said, I'm, he said, okay, thirsty. And he's trying to like rattle me, right? He's, this, this is it. This is him baiting me. This is him trying to get me engaged into an argument. And this is his way of kind of sh holding power and him winning if I were to have engaged in an argument emotionally. So I further reiterated that I'm done. So I said, I'm done. I've already told you I'm done. And stop texting me. <laughs> I already told you I'm done. And you need to stop texting me. And this obsession of you showing me that you're good when this obsession that you this obsession of you showing me that you're unbothered when um that you're so unbothered is is weird <laughs> so he responds again with a laughing emoji and an okay sign just all this petty shit like nigga just stop texting me i didn't respond i left it at that and that's a further example of of a way for you to show disengagement in an argument with a narcissist you can just not respond after a while or just not respond at all you could also just do as i said before i'm sorry you feel that way or just continue to reiterate what you plan to do 
how you're saying I'm done period and being consistent with that so I'm feeling good y'all like I feel empowered by being consistent in my language and by making it plain and clear to him I'm done (laughs) and I've never actually said those words to him before that I'm done I've said things like this isn't working or I'll just like give him the silent treatment and leave it at that and he will always be the one to reach out to me and then I'll finally succumb and then we'll be back at it again but I've never said verbatim I'm done and it's the second time I've said it to him and it's been feeling so empowering like damn bitch I should have done this before so I'm actually excited in this time this go around of me letting him go of me releasing myself that's really what it is me releasing myself from him I know that he will continue to try and continue to poke and see how how far he'll get and I'm excited to say I'm done or I'm excited to um disengage in arguments with him I'm excited to make it clear plain and clear to him because I know before I was I would think to say those things but then I would feel like oh man I feel bad I would feel guilty And so that explains how he has always played and portrayed himself as the victim and never the one at fault. And so that will play with my psyche and will make me feel guilty. So it's exciting to say I'm done and be done and say other things like either I'm done or, you know, I'm like, I'm not interested in you. Like, I'm not interested in this or however you want to verbalize it. But it's been great. Um, I know we're at the hour mark, but I do want to get into church hurt. Um, recently, I have been learning about, let me say allegedly, because you never know. But let me say allegedly. So Heather, Corle- Heather and Cornelius Lindsay are, uh, let's say, millennial pastors. Um, a lot of millennials, and I say millennial pastors because a lot of millennials would be aware of them and their influence um, in the spiritual uh, lane. So they're pastors and they are famous for their purity preaching, their purity talk, this purity culture. And Heather even has this, this, uh, this organization, this women's organization of Pinky Promise, which is like this cute way of putting that I'm going to hold myself uh, abstinent until marriage. I'm going to hold myself from sexual desires until marriage because this is God's plan. This is uh, this is a way for me to kind of narrow what man is really for me and what is the man who is only about fucking okay so yeah there's some gems you could take from that but i've y'all know i've since denounced purity culture and it's funny because i was super obsessed with that i was super obsessed with just the concept of purity culture i was super obsessed with just being this this woman who has saved herself from marriage who is waiting until I, you know, I get a husband and we defile the better together. <laughs> like, I was obsessed with that culture. Till I had an aha moment, I realized this is problematic because it 
takes away humanity. And I know, you know, when you think about Christianity, you think about, well, you're supposed to deny your flesh. You're supposed to withstand your sexual desires because that's not what God wants you to act on. And I don't know, maybe if you're homosexual, but even then, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> no, no offense. Um, but the point is, there is there is danger with the purity culture because women have there's a lot of women out there a lot of christian women out there who don't have a voice who aren't vocal when it comes to their own desires and they put up with less than satisfactory experiences with men in the bedroom and now they're they're married to them and it's okay (laughs) this is it (laughs) this is what you gotta deal with you're being a dutiful wife and it just sucks because they're not really exploring who they are as a woman and yet purity culture is not really embedded into being a man right a man is someone who has soak their wild oats who has really you know got their fucks off okay as what women they were supposed to women were supposed to be this virtual virtuous virginal pieces of objects for men to dabble in in and fuck that okay that's just period that's just fuck that anyway the scandal with them is that they are emotion emotionally abusive to their staff to their um church members they have used spiritual abuse and financial abuse in the house of the lord have taken the funds and have been fraudulent with that and have not been pretty much just scammers straight straight period and um excuse me i think sometimes when we think about Christianity, there is this, I think spiritual abuse is more common than we recognize because I think about how there's been a rhetoric of, well, if you don't do this, God's going to disown you. God's not going to love you. God's not going to give you a a house, you know, that job. And God's going to hate you. You're going to go to, you're going to go down the pits of hell. That's spiritual abusive. And some people might think, well, no, they're they're supporting that by basing it off of scripture, right? Wrong. I think about slave masters and I think about how slave masters have used this type of rhetoric towards their slaves to make them be better slaves, to make them justify the rape that they would experience from them, to make them be okay with the treatment, overall treatment that they've experienced by the hands of their slave masters by saying, this is the will of God. This is what God will want. And that is dangerous. So, when someone is recognizing this is abusive, this is not just abuse, this is spiritual abuse, that's something that really affects with your psyche and it it eventually tears away your relationship with God because now instead of having a loving, open relationship with God, you're now in fear of him or maybe you're now hating him because you've learned this God hates you because 
of your skin color? Does God hate you because you're not a hard worker? Does God hate you because you love who you love? And that's fucking abusive, okay? Just call call it what it is. Um, I know we don't like to sometimes put the church, you know, at the cross, but sometimes the church needs to be put at the cross. And this was an example of that. It's all a scandal on YouTube. So if y'all want to go ahead and just YouTube that, and like I said, allegedly, um, don't hold me accountable, IRS or whatever. <laughs> but it's been something that's just very interesting because I, like I said, I was very enamored with the purity culture and then I woke the fuck up, okay? This whole um, praying for my Boaz or I'm a Proverbs 31 woman or waiting while dating. We put so much of an emphasis on sex and being virgins until we're married and that's become so much into our identity that we don't know ourselves outside of that. And our virtue as a woman is somehow tainted if we're not a wife right so it leaves women who may not desire marriage it leaves women who may not desire men it leaves women who may not desire to be mothers all these stereotypical expectations of what a woman should be or should want it leaves those women who are not interested in that lifestyle it leaves them outside and now they don't find a place in that okay they they feel like well does god love me if i don't desire to be a mother if i don't desire to be a wife if i don't desire to be with this with a man or whatever it is or whatever is your truth and you put so much emphasis on that while men aren't given that same expectation so just be mindful of who y'all follow. <laughs> Let's just keep it at that. Um, I want to end off with this. This might be a long end, but let me just say this. And I'm not going to say this pastor's name, but a pastor that I know, let me just say that, um, recently got divorced. And this pastor is fine as fuck. <laughs> okay? If, if, I, if that's not clear to you how fine he is, I don't know what else is, okay? But he's fine as fuck. And... I will always look at him. I'd be like, damn, if I could climb that tree. But no, nah, he's married. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> and he's a fast. I wouldn't do that either. Because that's just like, Ew, I don't know. I can't do that. But anyway, I want to talk about the fact that he got a divorce. And we know there's a stigma with divorce. Christians are not supposed to get a divorce. You marry until death. And then you may marry it again if you choose to after death. Or you get a divorce if your spouse cheats on you, but you can't remarry. All this little bylaws, whatever. But there's a stigma with divorce. There's a stigma with separating and ending a marriage. And I am here to say we should normalize divorce. Let, hear me out. <laughs> so I'm not saying normalize every bad thing. I'm not saying normal, divorce is bad. I understand the ending of a family is hurtful and it's painful and it's all these things. But I also recognize self-care is important. And mental health is important. If you are in a marriage, I'm not talking just about, I know obviously when you're in a marriage that's abu that's physically abusive and any other ways of abuse, but specifically physically abusive, you should leave, right? That should be okay for you to walk away. Um, some pastors still feel like you should stick it out and that's, that's dangerous too. Don't follow that. <laughs> but there are plenty of examples of reason why you plenty of reasons of why you should leave a marriage if 
this person, like, you come to a point in your relationship or in your marriage and you realize this person really isn't the one you thought you should be with. And yeah, you decided to have a family with this person. And yeah, you have been with this person for 20 years and it's like, well, might as well stick with it. No, I think sometimes we could change our minds. <laughs> and I'm not saying just be frivolous when it comes to marriage, make that important. But what I'm saying is sometimes people find themselves in marriages and they're really not happy. They realize that they're not really happy with this person. But instead, let me just stick with this person because I married him or her. And you could say, oh, well, how about you guys go through te- therapy? How about you guys get some counseling, do these practices to get to that happy place? Okay, cool. You exercise and you exhaust all of those options and you still realize, nah, nigga, I don't want to marry, I don't want to be with this person. I don't want to be married to this person. I think that's okay. I think we need, we need to start recognizing divorce is okay. You can realize that you're not happy with this person. You really don't want to be with this person. You want to be with somebody else. Or you just don't want to be with this person. Don't want to be with anybody else to replace that person. At least not for now. Um, but you just want to be out. Go. Like <laughs> We need to be okay with that. And I'm tired of this nasty feeling this nasty taste that many Christians will have when it comes to divorce. And I know this stigma is obviously put even higher when it comes to pastors or other men and women in leadership position in the church and when they get a divorce it's like ooh, it doesn't feel or look good right but it only doesn't feel that way because we haven't normalized divorce and of course the bible is not for that but i'm pushing for us to choose happy and i think it's really sad to live a life that puts your own individual happiness at the bottom if not off the list overall i think it's sad to live in an an environment that takes away any opportunity to be happy that that's sad to me and if divorcing this person will help you to be happy right then fucking divorce that person you know i don't think that should be stigmatized any longer. We need to normalize divorce and we need to let that be. We need to recognize that, you know, what works for you may not work for the other person and that's okay, you know? Um, I remember dating my ex and he will always say to me, uh, you know, if we get married, or we will say when, cause we, we spoke like that at that time, a when, when we would type of stuff. <laughs> um, he'll say, when we get married, I'm not, I don't believe in divorce. We're not going to get a divorce. I don't, I don't subscribe to divorce. <laughs> and that shit scared the fuck out of me because I will, and I said even then, even though, yeah, let me say that. I said even then, yeah, I mean, I'm not going into a relation, I'm not going into a marriage to divorce I don't think people go into marriages to divorce (laughs) like that's not that's not normal like you wouldn't do that you typically think I'm in it for the long haul death do us part type of thing right but what I said to him was yeah I'm not going into this marriage thinking divorce but if I'm not happy (laughs) nigga (laughs) 
<laughs> the worse it is. <laughs> Divorce it up. <laughs> what I'm saying is he, when he said that, he was so adamant. So I don't believe in divorce. We're not getting a divorce. It felt so suffocating. I felt trapped. And we wasn't even engaged. <laughs> like, how am I feeling trapped? And we not even on the on the level of getting married. Like, what? Th- I gotta go. I gotta run away. Like, this is not okay. So, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes people will use marriage and use it as a way to trap you. And you're you're stuck. You're feeling like, well, I might as well just stick stick with it. No, leave. If this person does not make you happy, this person is not healthy for you. And you have done uh, experience after experience to, to get to that happy place in that marriage. Leave that nigga or leave that woman. Like, I, you should not be trapped to somebody, even if you're married. Marriage is not a trap. <laughs> so... I'm here to say normalize divorce. It's okay to leave a marriage if you are not happy and if you have exhausted every option, every avenue to get to that happy place. And if it's not working, go, you know, um, you know, it goes to, you know, the, the whole, well, yeah, he cheats on me so much, but we're married and we're going to work it out. If someone is cheating on you, I keep on saying he, like women can't cheat. Women could cheat, yes. Um, I'm so used to saying he. But, you know, there's this acceptance of, well, he's my husband. He's She's my wife. We got to work it out. You go work it out. And as you're realizing while you're working it or trying to work it out, you realize this isn't working out. <laughs> You can come to that conclusion and realize this isn't working out. We tried X, Y, and Z. File these divorce papers. I'm leaving you. Like, this is it. Normalize divorce. I'll end it there. Okay? Um, Let's wrap it up here. And I just want to give a quick shout out to my friend, Allegra. She is has always been supportive of my podcast would talk about it on instagram and i just want to give a shout out to her i really appreciate it and it says a lot you know i don't necessarily enforce people to promote my podcast but literally a little a little goes a long way so it's tagging my podcast through your Instagram stories, it's liking, it's subscribing, it's leaving a comment, leaving a review, actually, leaving a five-star review, it's commenting on Apple Podcasts. So this is me asking from the bottom of my heart for all of my listeners to give me a review on Apple Podcasts specifically. Leave a review, you know, give you a quick commentary on my podcast, something that you you know, want to shout out on my podcast? What do you appreciate from listening to the episodes? What do you appreciate? What do you like about this podcast? Please make that loud and clear. Please continue to share this with your friends if you are doing so. And if you haven't yet, I encourage you to do so. Leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and 
this podcast is available on three platforms soundcloud spotify and apple Podcasts. so three options available and if you could if you could promote either option on any platform whether that's instagram facebook twitter i would greatly appreciate that so shout out to my friend allegra she is also a makeup artist in the los angeles area so if you want to hit her up and consult your makeup needs you know obviously not during this time we have this corona grab but her um just a quick shout out to her um her um instagram handle is akbz so a-k-b-e-e-z-i-e so give a you know sure dm maybe she could work something out with you during this time if you want to get your makeup done or you want to get some makeup tips you know support each other support each other we see each other okay shout out to candy okay um (laughs) i'm gonna end it here thank you to everyone for tuning in and i will catch up with y'all next time thank you for tuning in to another episode of god built this podcast with your host maxine be sure to leave a review give me five stars and of course subscribe also follow god built this podcast on instagram at god built this pod god bless